0: to the Solid Responder podcast, where we share stories from first responders and talk about the past, the present, and the future in disaster response. Solid Responder highlights key issues in emergency response, exploring, engaging, and educating the emergency response community with featured guests from diverse all-hazard emergency response disciplines. Listen in as leading experts in the field tell their personal stories of dramatic and dangerous moments, the lessons that they learned and how their skills and leadership were put to the test. Listen in as we talk about taking good medicine to bad places. I'm your host, Joe Hernandez, the Solid Responder podcast squared away right away. Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you again for joining us on the Solid Response Podcast. Welcome, if this is your first time, members of the response community. As we pause to our veterans on this day and honor our nation's veterans, 11th of November 2021, we salute and honor all who have served and continue serving to secure our freedom and way of life. It's also difficult, though, not to stop and humbly remember are over 7000 US service members who have perished in that post 911 war operations and honor our gold star families. On a previous episode on September the 11th on the 20 year anniversary after the tragic events we spoke about that calm early Tuesday morning in an act of heroism and selflessness how first responder emergency personnel and members of our nation's military raced into the World Trade Center towers and our nation's Pentagon. I say this today because we have a really very special guest, someone who not only is a friend, a father, a husband, and someone who I've had the pleasure teaching with across the country, but add to that veteran and first responder and actually doing it all at the same time. That is what I call a solid responder. With that, I would like to introduce you to our next guest. He's Captain John Negaron, a highly decorated member of the New York City Fire Department for over 20 years. Jonathan is an EMS captain and station commander of the Bronx Tactical Response Group. Well, you know, those 25 years of service, they placed Captain Negron center stage at the World Trade Center attacks. Many of us call ground zero. You see, Captain Negron was not only a member of the New York City Fire Department, but at the same time, he was also an infantryman in the United National Guard for 10 years prior to the attacks. I'm going to let him bring you up to speed from those days up to now, how he has been able to not only serve our nation as a first responder, but also as a member of our armed forces. All of this while deploying three times during Operation Iraqi Freedom, navigating his own storms at home. And with that, I would like to thank and welcome captain jonathan negron for sharing his first responder stories jonathan welcome
1: thanks joe it's uh it's a, it's an honor uh to be uh to be here with you it really is um i, I look up to you and um you know the, the things you've done in this career you're definitely somebody i i look to as a, and um uh and it was just um you know i, I had family members in the military and you know I, I come from a very patriotic family and i knew somewhere in my my life, I was going to do the military in some form or function, and um, so that's it, uh, between college and wanting to be close to home, the, the National Guard turned, turned out to be the thing. And then you know, when I took that first EMT class, I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And uh, if you're going to do that in New York City, you know, you want to do it for New York City EMS at the time, and it became part of the fire department. But um, but yeah, no, it, it after 9 11, um, you know, I was a paramedic in Manhattan, and I was already. Um, with a one of the few has hazmat trained uh, paramedic units so um, i I was looking to deploy and I thought they weren't going to send the national guard anywhere that was really uh, uh, that was part of it I'm like they're gonna use the national guard to guard airports and train stations no way they're going to send the national guard anywhere when I was completely wrong so I, I ended my contract with the Army National Guard I went into the navy Reserve as a corpsman. there was a Need for medical uh, corpsmen in the in the uh, with the Navy Reserve and specifically I thought maybe I'd get a chance to deploy with the Marines because I know the the medical personnel for the Marine Corps were, were Navy corpsmen and that's what happened. So I in, in uh, 2002 uh, I started a contract with the Navy Reserve in 2003 I deployed to uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom um, for my first deployment. I deployed again with the Marines in 2006 and again in 2008. Um, in there you know got married and. Um, When I got back in 2009, um, my my name came up for the promotion, um, and I I was promoted to lieutenant in 2011, I think it was. Um, Where I worked with the Hashtag Battalion Special Operations, the EMS Special Operations Battalion, got to do a lot of work with those guys, um, and then was promoted to captain in 2015, 16, something like that. And yeah, I was in the Bronx for, for two years, um, Station 19 in the Bronx DRG, um, and then uh, now currently I'm at Station 39 in East New York um, on Pennsylvania Avenue, for any, anybody that knows uh, Brooklyn. But uh, one of the busiest stations in, in the city of New York, I'm proud to say. Uh, we always have some top 10 ambulances uh, uh, on the top 10 list every year, and uh, I have 90 EMTs and paramedics uh, serving the uh, citizens of uh, East New York, Brooklyn. Um, and I, I, you know, I ended my, my service with the Navy Reserve in 2011, but um, if you get started,
0: You know, know. it's it's like uh, two lives. That's okay. And as we approach our nation's uh, greatest college football game on December the 11th, Army versus Navy. Yes. It's a great opportunity to embrace both of those. However, being the father of a Army football player, I have to say, go Army, beat Navy. But on Veterans Day, we're all one family. Yes. And that's what it's all about. (laughs) And as a first responder, on top of that, it's fantastic. And the encouragement that you have to be able to have to other fire and EMS personnel around the country, not just in New York City, but around the country, of saying, you know, I've I've wondered about being a first responder or a police officer, and I've wondered about going into the military. And can I boot to both? And can I balance both? And can I serve our country? in both roles at the same time. And you are not only proof that it can be done, you are a successful proof in gaining rank in both sides, serving as battalion command and petty officer and reaching the rank of captain with the fire service and being able to climb those ranks along with pointing your silver sword and laying it down for a while from what we understand. And picking up the gold sword and going into marriage and going into the, the, the birth of a lovely daughter and then navigating storms that life has brought throughout that while you are still navigating your job on the fire service, running EMS calls that at 911 usually is the worst time in someone's life, um, and yet you're running into those and also being able to lay that down and serve our country overseas. Tell me a little bit about the difference. Uh, I, I know there's a there's a difference. My wife, uh, of, of going on 42 years, is very expressive on after returning from a USAR deployment, how difficult it was, and we're only talking 15, 20 days. Uh, you, you're uh, you you deploy a, across the the globe during Iraqi Freedom. Uh, you were gone for months, almost an entire year, uh, and coming back. Uh, can you give us a, a, and you have an incredible personality. You've kept an incredible family. Um, share with others how how successful and how that how you we were able to accomplish that.
1: How much how much time do we have? How long is that podcast?
0: <laughs> I love it because it
1: it uh, no, I, I'm, I'm blessed and um, you know we discussed it a little before but yeah I'm, I, I I'm truly uh blessed and, and blessed to have a um you know God placed in my life a, a a beautiful woman who um put up puts up with the stuff that I put her through, through, you know, my choices to serve, she, you know, she has volunteered right along with me. And, um, you know, we, uh, I, I've actually known my wife since um, uh, she was 12, I was 14. And that's a whole nother podcast. I'll do another one for that. Um, you know, we started dating in the summer of 2001. And um, so right along all those events, um, working down at Ground Zero, um, and, uh, uh, you know, preparing to go to war, she was there with me. And that was, I'll never forget, my father said, because um, uh, uh, when I got the call in 2003, uh, the phone call from the Navy Reserve Center was, listen, you were supposed to be here three days ago, but um, we know we didn't tell you. So um, you have uh, two days to pack your stuff and, and, you know, your plane tickets are waiting at the airport, but you got to go to Camp Lejeune and uh, <laughs> you're, you're on active duty, by the way. And um, so I had to go to my girlfriend, fiance at the time, be like, uh, honey, I got to go. And, uh, here's my checkbook and here's my bills. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I love you, but I got to go. And, um, she took it all. And, um, you know, uh, by the time I got back, you know, I had, uh, um, you know, five figures saved in the bank account. Everything was paid off. My, My father was like, listen, you better marry this girl before she changes her mind. So, um, you know, we were married, uh, in 2004 after I got back and, you know, she was, we were married through the next two deployments, 2006 and 2008. Um, so it's uh, for me, I mean, that's a critical lifeline. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but, I, you know, you can't forget that they're committed to that, to the sacrifice that we make sacrifices too and um the choices that i make affect her and you know she get, got into marriage thinking so that's this is something a source of stability a source of uh you know that uh, um you know, the relationship is something uh, uh to bring stability to her life and little did she know i was a paramedic on midnights you know on, on, on midnight <laughs> shift. you know a rescue paramedic how is my paramedic going, doing, going to the most dangerous jobs and on top of that, you know, we were big buffs, and you know, if it was happening, we wanted to be the first ones through the door. So, you know, God put us together. And it was a very strange match, but um, you know, God changed both of us. Yes. and uh, I'm very blessed, and that uh, um, it, it's it's uh, it's important um, that me as a as a as a man doesn't forget that and honor that. And um, you know, it, it's there's veterans, you know, you go, but also there's always that other part, father. Uh, husband, uh, husband wife um, the kids mm-hmm. um, who don't understand why mm-hmm. this is sort the of thing because the reserves you're going away for a year right? back to duty guys you're there on the base families there that are going through similar things mm-hmm. whereas the reservist families are alone and there's kind of a loose structure where phone calls whatever but nobody in my wife's kind of circle of friends and family knew what she was going through to have the the me away Sure. And lose contact. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, that uh, I, I, on Veterans Day, you know, um, yeah, I get a lot of texts and a lot of phone calls, sure. and people want to shake my hand. But really, I know that I could not have done it without
0: you know the support yeah. from her. Um, and, and that's important. I mean, just the loan you mentioning, and, and for those that are listening, when he was talking about being alone and no support and uh, active duty versus reserve. He's talking about the spouses who live at at home in the regular neighborhoods. They're not living on on bases or posts uh, and receiving the structure of a secure military installation, which by the way, have done phenomenal in family support. Um, The fire service has a lot to learn and and USAR has a lot to learn in that. And you continue to to, to honor uh, other veterans. You continue to carry that torch I remember several years ago, you were very instrumental uh, at being able to secure a memorial reef uh, at the World Trade Center for a pair of parents, uh, a, a mother and a father who were gold star parents from two separate families who biked across America uh, to gather awareness for Legacies Alive, and peddled for all of the lost soldiers, sailors, and airmen during the global war of terrorism um, in that event. And uh, I can't thank you enough for making that an event just for them as well as, and I say that because the sons that they lost were instrumentally launched into their careers, the September 11th event. Uh, Ironically, as we talked about, even my two sons who committed to joining the military um, after September 11th and seeing me leave away on a USAR deployment. uh, So many other uh, families were affected by that. Sons, daughters, husbands, wives were affected. And and so our offices were filled with folks wanting to either join the military and or join the fire or EMS services or police departments. Our nation was full of people that wanted to give back and serve Instead yes. of taking and wanting, right, and I, it puts things in perspective.
1: Those those kinds of tragedies, you know, exterior tragedies, and it, it puts uh, the priorities of life in in, in uh, the you know better order.
0: I sure, would love to see us be that uh, that way again as a country, yeah. without without an incident of something right. happening. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah. to take. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, I love that sign uh, in the background. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, it means uh, things that. Uh, that are important to your life as we discussed in my life and a lot of that was with family support and what goes on uh with the different uh, events with veterans day we're saluting our veterans and remembering our veterans those that are here today uh and those that are that have passed and from beyond now we're getting ready to go into the holidays um which presents a whole nother uh, event we lost a, a tragic brother from my fire station uh, and my fire department on Saturday, um, who committed uh, 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 an act towards himself uh, and took his own life. And and uh, we're all struggling with that, uh, as his family is and, and prayers are for that. But the message out there, as you said, the importance of coming back and wondering how our significant others are doing. And right. you, you hit it on the head by saying, you're gone for that length of time and that support's just a missing link.
1: Um, yeah no after, it it definitely evolved over you know the the uh, the 10 years I was involved in, in you know um, like 70 years I was involved in deploying to Iraq because when I got back the first time there was nothing we were feeling our way through the dark and that uh, caused a lot of problems but it was also that core commitment I had to my wife she had to me that you know we, we knew no matter what you know no matter how how many fights we got into uh, I wasn't gonna leave she wasn't gonna leave um, but um yeah it, it definitely uh, that that uh, um, awareness that there, there's a problem there's something missing here we're not we're not giving these guys the tools when they leave to uh, uh, address these problems they're gonna uh, um you know they, they train us for everything survival training you know high risk of capture training but they never trained us to go home and and take care of our family and adjust you know and be the husband we didn't get husband training um before we left deployment and uh, um you know we, we definitely learned some lessons the hard way uh, yeah, that was nice advice we got uh, after my second deployment. Third deployment was that uh, yeah, you know that period of time we're away. You know, like, uh, my 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 wife is taking care of everything. She's in charge of that 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 boat. She's in charge of that ship. And um, you know now you're coming on board, and um, things things aren't like they were when you just left. That a lot of things have happened, and now it's it's got to be you got to get to know your wife all over again. You have to get to know your family all over again. They have to get to know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's. Um, definitely uh, uh, things improved and there's still a gap um, yeah, so you know, always, a, always a work in
0: progress absolutely and and that's uh, that's an encouragement to everyone out there uh, listening on uh, that it's possible it's uh, you, you fight for it you fight for what you want and right. uh, you fight hard um, Absolutely. It's a decision. And that's exactly
1: it. It's not easy. But marriage talk, is the hardest thing I've ever done. All the things I've done, Joe, all the, the, the trauma and stuff I've been waist deep in, marriage is the hardest. But again,
0: <laughs> I love hearing that. And that's the truth. Um, and, and, and you mentioned a very good friend of ours and a, and a solid responder, vitty Johnson. And I would tell you that uh, between him and Barbara, he would probably say the, the same thing. And uh, uh, But the challenge is there and uh, and the fight is worth it. You know, as, a, as an EMS captain now, we've spoke a little bit about the changes in, in EMS and now being retired and, and living on a block with a lot of retirees. And I've dealt with a few uh, deaths already, unfortunately with the elderly who happened to have gotten here a few years before I did. Um, and it brought me back to the thoughts of running EMS calls and either coming into a home where we already had a deceased person and we were not going to try resuscitation because of the amount of time they were deceased right. and or resuscitating an individual. And now with changes within EMS protocol, DC, D, DCing, or what we call stopping our resuscitation right. efforts and now and having to deal. Yes, with those family members. And right. there were those in my early days that I would see that would say, OK, I'm sorry for your loss, ma'am or sir. And right. uh Police will be here in a few minutes and have a a good day. And I watched it with such a heavy heart Yes, where I just thought to myself, why can't we just sit there for a minute and say, ma'am, is there anything that I can do? Would you like to have us help you pick him up off the floor right? and put him on the bed and and maybe put a shirt on him? Well, can you do that? Yes, ma'am. He's an elderly man and we find no signs of, any type of disruption and have a little bit more of a heart. What yeah. is your thought about that now, as a as a EMS officer and watching these crews having these?
1: Yeah, there was, There's a there's a lot of aspects of that because um, you know I, I was 23 when I first started doing 911 in Harlem and um, I know there was no training for that at all. You know, we, you learn what the criteria are. You're going to resuscitate. You're not going to resuscitate. Um, but nobody ever taught us how to hold somebody's hand how to look somebody in the eye, how to express, I'm sorry, you know, but they, they passed away. It's, you know, um, and uh, try to break that to somebody in a way that doesn't um, cause harm. Because, of course, they, they remember every, every word you use, the tone you use, the expression on your face. Um, they remember that for the rest of their life. And um, the potentially now, now that you've stopped treating that, um, that one patient that you were called for, now the other folks potentially become patients. And uh, yes. you have to express their needs as well. Um, so yes. they, we don't we don't we don't train that. Um, I, but I, I, for better or for worse, I saw great examples, and I also saw some horrible examples. And uh, you know, knowing that I wanted to do the best I could, you know, both that in the back of my in my back pocket, so that I knew what I wasn't going to do, and things that that seemed to work better. You know, I'm, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it like this guy did it. Love it. You know. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, uh, and then um, as you become the more senior guy on the scene, um, knowing that that needed to be done, um, you know, uh, as the paramedic. You know, there was a time in New York where we, you didn't see the supervisor on scene as much. And so the senior paramedic was the guy who had to go and hold the hand and look the person in the eye. Um, and then um, but now as the officer. You're the guy. You're it. Uh, yeah. the, the police are looking at you. The firefighters are looking at you. the Paramedics are looking at you. You're the guy who's got to go and either take a knee, take your hat off. Uh, um and um it doesn't matter how you feel you know uh, um and how much sleep you got or you know what argument you just had outside that at that moment you know the, that person your your that family member um that's the most important thing in the world and um yeah if you can get me started uh that's definitely a gap and uh i'm, I'm glad i'm there when i when, when it does happen um not that it happened but that um you know i i i I want to be that guy to show my junior guys. This is how you talk to people. Dignity. Dignity was never a word that I learned in training, but it was shown to me. And it's something I try to teach my junior guys. Um, you know, you got to have, uh, you got to show these people, no matter what you think you see in that room, in those circumstances, to show that um, your patient dignity and then the family members. Um, and that's uh, you, you caring for their soul. You caring for um, you know that uh these memories are gonna have the rest of their life
0: yeah you're you're filling those voids that are so necessary to be filled and there's no one else gonna do that and if we walk no, away
1: no, no.
0: we walk away without helping that individual right. uh it, it doesn't help the next generations and and we're starting to lose that effect in the in the generations as it comes because it is a young person's generation to start right. with right
1: so I, that's why i try to think i was 23. So I'm like my guys that are 23, yes. 24, 25. And, you know, do they have more or less understanding than I did? Yeah. You know, I was a moron. I was an idiot. So yeah. I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. Uh, but here's the other thing. I mean, to tie it into the deployments in the military, um, you know, I, I do think uh, um, I, I I definitely in addition to having a greater appreciation for my freedom, my country, um, I, I'm, I'm probably the most patriotic guy you've ever met. Um, but I, I, it's given me a great appreciation for life and the value for life and, um, that life is, is a precious thing and it's, it's fragile and, um, tomorrow's not promised. And, um, you know, so that, um, you know, the, the, these you can't be, you got to fight that, uh, that, 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 uh, in EMS, it's very easy, of course, as a defense mechanism, you become very cold and, uh, you just want to, you know, hit that button, go available, move on to the next job. Yeah. You're going to be doing that, but in the meantime, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to do that, but Again, you 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 end up hurting yourself, Um, and when you show that dignity and that compassion to the patient, patient's family, um, you know whether you think they deserve it or not, uh, it's irrelevant. Um, You also end up helping yourself deal with that pain of having to, you know, be uh, elbow deep in in that suffering, Um, and um, it's it's the 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 value of it, the importance of it. uh, It's it's only more magnified with having been overseas and seeing life that's cheap and seeing cultures uh being exposed to cultures where life is much cheaper being uh immersed in scenarios where life and death is you know instantaneous and and by the bushel and um very cheap so um uh, life is precious and, and how we treat each other you know as human beings um you know it, it shows you character and it, uh, i, I want to show that to my junior guys on seeing as often as possible, I, I try to make sure they see it, you know, they're careful with their words. They, they see how I present myself to family. Um, I'm, I'm always aware that um, it's very easy, especially in the EMS, I'm sure in law enforcement and fire as well, because you're dealing with life and death on a regular basis to form sure. that cold shell
0: and um, and then just move on to the next job. And I, I don't I, I try not to be like that. Sure. And, and totally understandable. Jonathan, I got a question from uh, a caller, someone that's watching the podcast uh, saying it really hit home about spouses. And what was the best way to get your significant other uh, to open up? Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, that's I'm, on both I'm, both sides of the fence because right, we right, both right. could put the walls yeah, up. I
1: think men, men are the ones that need to open up. And my wife responds when she sees I'm making myself vulnerable. And that's so again, I, not, not to dump on Ben, because again, you know, th- there's two sides to that equation. Um, but I mean, uh, um, maybe she, maybe the person is asking about their husband to have their husband open up, uh, generally opening up was not my wife's problem. <laughs> opening up was my problem. Um, although sometimes getting to the core of how my wife felt, um, was, a uh, 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 you know, something that took time. Um, but, uh, a lot of my, my wife was just acknowledging <laughs> that, um, uh, I couldn't do it without her um, and that and, and that I was really grateful for when I came home, I had something to come home to. That was sure. only of her. Um, so uh, um,
0: I, I wish I was better. I wish I was a better husband. And we've and learned before. we've learned over the years. I've learned tremendously. That's uh, all I do. Every chance I get is to be able to turn that same uh, recommendation around. I was uh, blessed to have Chris Fields from Oklahoma City Fire Department, the, the, the icon from the Oklahoma City bombing, again a man uh, uh, married and, and two wonderful sons now grown up after the uh, 1995 event and the struggles that it brought through. but again, family nucleus and opening up to each other was the only way around it. And it, it he even alluded to the uh, uh, issues that he had with uh, uh, issues in his marriage, issues in, in substance abuse, et cetera. And none of those uh, answered the call to trying to get what we needed and which means get better. Uh, it was to open up and to try and open up. And it Sometimes it, it takes, you know, everybody says, well, do, do I use the kids? And sometimes the kids are the worst things to use because it, we don't want to use a tool against anyone to open up. We want them really to open up on their own to see the changes that not only it'll make in their own lives, but in the lives around them. Um, we had a physician who had deployed multiple times overseas ask a question on support groups on returning. Um, I know that my son uh, and my and my wife and myself and many others, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, really got into supporting Legacies Alive, which was to raise an awareness for uh, remembering those who have fallen—airmen, uh, soldiers, and sailors—during the global war of terrorism. And there are so many other groups that are out there. I'm sure that you yourself, as a veteran, belong to one or several groups: uh, Red, White, and Blue. Many organizations that are out there uh, and benefit from that. I've even uh, considered doing that uh, uh, with the support here on the Southwest Florida. We have a small group that does the uh, kayaking events, and we endorsed and pushed that. So anytime any group is there uh, for that person asking the question, I think that that's a fantastic uh, sense of awareness of reaching out. And I'm sure that if you do reach out to one group um, and you ask for the availability of other groups. Uh, a good group would also open the door and provide that connection with you, uh, for you to to be able to launch into. Definitely,
1: yeah. It, it, you know, I, I I was blessed to have um, you know, a, a family that um, you know between my, uh, my my father, my mother, my in-laws, uh, my cousins, and um, you know for, uh, friends and family from church. You know, I, that was my support structure. Um, you know, and then uh, you know my daughter coming along. I mean, really, that's uh, that's really my purpose for living right now is uh, making sure. You know yeah. she's taken care of, and um, you know it, it's for for that. That's what did it for me. Um, you know, making sure that uh, I, I didn't let them down. Um, and uh, but um, uh, you know, the uh, it, it's from work. You know, the veterans that i I, I know, you know, been uh, back and forth multiple multiple deployments. Yeah, those groups are priceless. Yes, and um, they because you can have conversations. So he's, you know, you know, I've had conversations with Vinnie Johnson. My wife knows this. I've had conversations with Vinnie. And my wife knows everything. She knows all my stories. Uh, oh, keys to successful
0: marriage. You can't keep any skeletons. Um, exactly. Yeah. She knows my passwords. She knows yeah. my cell phone. I have nothing right. to hide. Right. Yes. We have, a,
1: we have one, one bank account.
0: Yes. Um, yes.
1: So um, I, I, no, no skeletons clause. However, she knows and I know there's conversations I can have with Vinnie Johnson that I cannot have with her. And there's conversations I can have with my brother that I can't have with other people on the job, um, you know, regarding intimate things and and, uh, spiritual things and and stuff that we see, stuff that we experience. And I remember getting a call from uh, a friend of mine um, who had just come back from Afghanistan and it was the 4th of July and um, he was freaking out because of the fireworks and he was in tears. And I'm like, well, we'll just talk. Let's, you know, we'll talk about whatever is going on and we'll just I'll stay here wherever. And, um, I was honored that he, he, he at least, you know, reached out to somebody and that the person was me. I mean, so, uh, w- you know, whatever it, it's, um, and, uh, uh, I remember having a conversation, you know, cause you know, uh, people talk about PTSD and, and, you know, there, there, that's a whole nother, again, that's a whole nother podcast.
0: Yes. Yes. But, uh,
1: um, you know, it, it's, it, yeah. Uh, um, yeah and that question that the person that asked about, you know, opening up again, you you know, for me, again, I can have the conversation, the conversation I can have with my brother that I can't have with say somebody at work or even my wife conversation. I can have my wife who knows everything um, that I can't have with other people. So, um, yeah, you find those people to, um, have that conversation with. And, um, that, that's, and that ends up being therapy, you know, and then of course on the job, you're sitting, you know, like sitting in the ambulance with Vinny, you know, you all, all, the, all the conversations. That that's therapy. The first hour, if we're not yes. getting that job, we're getting yes. a cup of coffee and we're venting to each other. That's what gets us through life. So me now as an officer, you know, I'm I'm holding court in my office with all these guys venting about stuff that they're trying to, you know, talk about in, in the station and politics in the station, personalities in the station. I'm sure, you know, yeah, every every uh, uh police station, firehouse, EMS station. Uh, has a cast of characters that could be filled uh, uh easily with the folks at the station and uh, i got them too so um it becomes therapy for me you know where i can i can tell a story there um and uh yeah so it, it, it's i guess it, it, it depends on the moment it's never uh um, that one thing that becomes the
0: all um the answer to everything um, uh, no absolutely and it have it in that setting It tends to open up folks more than it does in a setting where they feel very bound uh, and structured uh, when there's no structure to that. And there's just an opening up of of how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking in my head. And sometimes we're taught you're not allowed to say what you're thinking. But in those scenarios, guess what usually comes out? Exactly what they're thinking. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and I've also I've used the department's uh, counseling services unit on three different occasions and it was priceless. Yes. So I don't mind t- t- telling my guys after a situation, after a bad call, um, if you, uh, I'm telling you, you should call this. I can't order you to call them. Um, you should call them, and even if it's just to talk about what happened. But I'm letting you know, I've called them three times on three different stories, and uh, um, it, I I didn't expect it to be a value, but it was. It ended up being uh, um a valuable thing, uh, sure, a very positive thing. So
0: so those things also have their place. Um, and uh, you know, hundred percent a time. Trauma chief. trauma timeout. You yeah. you said it. it. it's so important. And opening up and reaching out to the availability and the blessing that the members have at FDNY that there is a person or a service to reach out to, that yeah. some structures don't have that. That's yeah. priceless. priceless. Absolutely a hundred percent.
1: And we had to learn the hard way.
0: Yes. Yeah, no one, no, one ever, no one ever wants to get sent there. We all really should just recommend, hey, I've had a bad call. Same thing we, we do when there is an event that we bring people together for that. But it, it could just take the smell. You know, there's three things. We talked about it. I talked about it in an after action from the Surfside Collapse. Um, I talked about it with uh, John Scardina from Doberman Emergency Management. I've talked about it with my son. Sight, smell, and sound. Uh, they're triggers, um, they're triggers that can change lives. I talked about it with Chris Fields um, and and the and the, the guys with uh, with trauma behind the badge and their organization and what was the trigger and for him it was the smell of rain falling on on concrete dust and it brought him back to 1995 at the Mural H building where the Oklahoma City bombing. And it caused him to have a decline from that moment on. And so it just takes a trigger. And so we can have a structured opening up or we may be forced into that. But I'm encouraging those that are listening at this time that you're not a coward in opening up. As a matter of fact, you are definitely on top of my list and you are a solid responder. And that sign on on. Jonathan's wall right there that says gather that's exactly what we're supposed to do whether you gather with your significant other your family your children uh, your your wife your husband your church members the organization that belong to but seek out that help it's so much out there there's so many people to get a hold of and uh, we, there's so many shows that we can go on Uh, And just continue on, as Jonathan said, you know, we've got PTSD, we've got spouses, we can cover so much just because it it affects so many areas of our lives. And you know what? Our husbands, wives, they they didn't sign up for this job. Uh, We did. Uh, We didn't sign up. up. Yeah. And and you are on top of that, a veteran. They didn't sign up to be a military (laughs) wife or a husband. And now (laughs) you're adding another one. (laughs) But I'm sure you would encourage a young man or a young girl today that if they had a decision-making. I have a very good friend of my son who passed who uh, went to ROTC with him, and he is a sheriff with Broward County Sheriff's Office. He is also a guard member, and he serves as a military police officer on deployment. So he's getting to enjoy both of those, and I have encouraged him to both to stay in on both services and, and that it can be done and he has enjoyed himself a, a brand new baby girl and uh, and his life is moving forward so it, it, great out there
1: each other, uh, folks have to understand the commitment um you are in the reserves that um it's not it's it's not like any other job so uh you know fire service pd ems again not like any other job however uh, um you know that that military commitment um, you know, again, they, they can send you away for, you know, a year or more. Yeah. And, um, there, there's no like, ah, I don't feel like doing it. it. It's, it's a huge, huge commitment. And, um, you know, usually, uh, when they sell the reserves, it's, you know, they, they'll, they'll tell you one week in the month and two weeks during the summer, which, uh, it, it's never just that it, it's always a lot more. And then, you know, uh, plus the, uh, the, the, the deployments. Sure. So, um, it, it's, uh, that's the thing with the reserves is it, it doing the job and the training and the teamwork. Um, it complements the the uh, emergency service uh, side. Um, and one makes the other better in a lot of different ways. Uh, it's just uh, the military side. Anybody who comes to me and asks me about, hey, I was thinking about joining the the, the guard reserve, active duty, whatever. Sure. Uh, um, my my first thing is understand first of all why you're doing it. Because uh, if you're doing it for the benefits, if you're doing it for college, if you're doing it for anything other than you want to serve your country, because um, it, 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 it's uh, it, it's it, it, in my view it's 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 not it's not a good enough reason only because at a certain point they're going to ask you something far and above um that what that money value is um you know when it's 140 degrees out in you know uh, um in al-hila iraq and you know you you're, you're, you're knee deep in feces you know uh, getting an rpg um you know uh, you, you you can give all the, you could take all the college money, you know? You could take yeah. it. You could take it. Yeah. Um, no, you, you're there to serve your country and you're that's there right. to, uh, um, you know, that's what gets you to the battle. When you're in the battle, you're there with your brothers. But what gets you, you know, there is you, that love of country and you want to
0: serve your fellow, you know, you, uh, serve the country. Absolutely. How well said. Um, uh, there's nothing, I, I'm, you know, at a firefighter standpoint, nothing that could present any more fear into someone than. Than crawling into a burning building to walk whatever you get to usually go home that next day after that shift is over and enjoy your social life whatever that involves uh, on, on, on deployment that's a whole nother yeah. ball game you don't get to yeah. go home you got you have to stay. You don't get to go home. My son, uh, on his deployment uh, in the Argendorf Valley said, you know, I didn't have video games and, and DVDs or anything like that. We had to w- have a watch up on the top just to make sure nobody was going to come and, and, and yep. come after our, our cop at that time. And so yes. what a difference in, uh, as a first responder saying, you know, we're 10 foot tall bulletproof. Um, but our tour ends, um, and, To gather ourselves up and to our nation's veterans who have deployed and especially deployed as you have in a combat zone and have been decorated as combat veterans, uh, I salute you and hats off because you didn't get to come home every night and debrief. And and then go back on the third day. You had to no. do it night after night after mission night after, after night.
1: Mission after mission after mission.
0: Yeah. My son would say, "Dad, I, I sometimes I would think about okay, if one guy came in through this way, or three guys came in this way, four guys came this way, and so it was constant." Yeah. It takes yeah. its toll. As we said, uh, joining those organizations, seeking out help, uh, uh, ex- keep it close as possible, and then move out and don't stop asking for help. Yep. It's a it's the heroes that ask for help. Jonathan, we could go on forever, my friend. I I, I, I love like you. you and, uh, absolutely, and I, I don't want to keep your time. I, I I'm thankful to those that are out there listening. Uh, please continue to listen to the Solid Podcast. I am going to ask uh, Captain Negaron to come back on. There's so much to talk about, um, especially after the Army Navy game coming up in <laughs> one month. <laughs> we'll be talking PTSD about that Army-Navy soon. And so for that, I would like to thank you very much for your service, uh, not only to uh, the, our nation as a first responder, but significantly thank you for your service as a veteran, uh, supporting us and 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 keeping our daily walk of life as secure and as grateful as we are. Thank you, sir. And uh, very much. Thank you, those that are listening to the Solid Responder podcast. Everyone have a good night. Thank you, John. Good night.